Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Believe in Everything Auburn is brought to you by Bet Online. Basketball is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, and golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. If you use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, at betonline.ag. BetOnline, where the game starts. War Eagle, everybody. Welcome back to Believe in Everything Auburn. I'm Taylor Davis, joined, as always, by Jason Campbell. Hope everyone had a fantastic Thanksgiving and rivalry weekend, which is always chaotic, and it certainly was this year. But we all know why we're here. The Tigers have officially named a new head coach. The hunt is over. The speculation can stop. And we can now discuss the next era for Auburn football. So welcome in, everybody. Thanks for joining us, as always. Uh, If my audio sucks, I'm really sorry. Sometimes technology is not our friend. And my microphone bit the dust right before we started recording. So bear with me this week if it's a little... Uh, lacking in quality. I will rectify the situation by next episode, I promise. But who does sound fantastic is my co-host, Jason Campbell. What's up, Jake Cam? It's been a crazy week, a crazy several months down on the plains, but we've got a new head coach in town, Hugh Freeze. Initial thoughts. We're going to dive into the details of this one, but initial thoughts, mostly (laughs) that it's all done and over with and we can stop with the debates, you know? Right. I tell you what, this is, has been a, uh, you know, the last four weeks of the season was so much fun. Uh, like yeah, I said, with, Car- with Carnell, uh, being at the helm and seeing a newfound energy that we haven't seen in a while in our team and fan totally. base and the support. And, you know, he was the right person for the, for the job and for the calling and everything. And, yeah. you know, I think the best move that, and I'm kind of tired myself because my phone was just blowing up each and every day about the coaching situation. <laughs> And, you know, I'm answering questions all day. And then, you know, every media outlet I go on, you know, wants to talk about a pick and try to get you to say something and everything. And, and now that it's finally over, my phone has gotten quiet. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and at the same time, I've had a chance to talk with Lack. I've had a chance to, uh, you know, talk with him with the whole scenario. And, you know, he's in a good place. Uh, good. Like I said, he's, you know, he's excited and, and everything. And like you said, things that, you know, maybe in the beginning that he didn't ever think about as far as being a head coach, when he got that opportunity to to do the interim for the last four weeks, it showed him a newfound life on coaching. And right. it gave him an aspect of, you know what, I could one day do this. Like, mm. you know, like if this is my full call of duty, right. I can do this. I can do this. Where before, like he was saying, you know, most of the time we just see ourselves as being assistant coaches or something like that. But he was saying after being an interim coach, it really has motivated him because in a lot of different ways, even in his coaching aspect. So he's grown a lot over these last four weeks and and, and everything. So I think the best move of the weekend was after Hugh Freeze got hired was the call to Carnell. Absolutely. And to ask him to be his associate head coach. Most hick, that shows me that he's very confident in his leadership. He's very confident in, in his coaching spot as the head coach. He's not mm-hmm. feeling inferior. A lot of guys feel inferior. And and what's the other word I'm looking for that that where they don't feel comfortable 
with the next person beside them because they feel like if things spiral a little bit, everyone's calling for that guy. Yeah. You know? so yeah. He's not feeling like that. Like he's coming in here feeling confident. He's coming in here understanding like, Hey, I don't want this guy to get away from the program. Right. Like, right. He's a guy that we need to have as a staple here. He's a guy that exemplifies what an Auburn man looks like, what a, with the type of guys that I want to walk through that door as recruits and type of guys mm-hmm. that I want on my football team. So why would I let this guy and let someone else come and snatch him up? No, I'm going to make him the <laughs> yeah. associate head coach, give him a, a bunch of uh, opportunities to have important decisions within, within the, the organization, within the, the team, as yeah. the players, the coaches and, and everything, because associate head coach is a big role. And, and you have to trust somebody to be in that role. And the fact that they never even worked together, mm-hmm. but at the same time, he sees the importance of it and what Lack was able to get from this football team within a four-week span because, Taylor, this thing could have spiraled downhill. And I mean downhill bad for the program. It could have set us back five to ten years. Mm-hmm. And that's what people don't realize. The way that we were going, we was falling back so far. We wasn't getting recruits on campus. We weren't like, people don't really know the full details of how bad it really was. Right. And how he stepped into a situation and helped turn the mojo and get things going to the point that we had more recruits on our campus. The last two home games we had and probably the whole year and half the year before. Mm-hmm. Like, and then you hear Hugh Freeze yesterday, at his press conference. The one thing he iterated was recruiting. He like, I can't mm-hmm. wait to get out here and start recruiting and get finished with all these meetings. And yeah. I can't wait to put together my staff. And he said, I want to serve these young men. He said, I may even take a little bit of a step back from play calling just to make mm-hmm. sure I'm here and doing the things that these players need from me. Yeah. That's big because that's exactly what we need. And it's kind of the opposite of what we had. You know, I don't like living in the past, but we didn't hear that from Harson. You no, know, like, are you kidding? And everything. So this guy is more employed to be an Auburn man because his daughter went to Auburn. And everyone Mm -hmm. knows if you send your kid to a school and that's where your money goes, that's where your heart going to (laughs) go. There is an allegiance there. Yeah. So he has ties there. And I think the fact that he is in a coaching realm of he wants to be in the SEC. He wants to be here. He referenced Bruce Pearl a couple of times. And that goes to show me that. Bruce has kind of been involved with this. And at the same time, he has someone there on campus that he can talk to and help grind and understand the importance of driving his fan base back together. So that's why I was telling people, like, there's no perfect person, but also give a person an opportunity. And I just want to say this, I understand what happened years ago. And but the person that had to earn the trust back the most that he had to go out and work really hard to get them to to earn his trust back and show them who he were was his wife. I was going to. Yep. Yep. His wife was the most important person like for her to stay with him through all of that. It goes to show you that she believes in him and she knows who he is as a person. And he just messed up. And yeah. And, and everything. So there's something to be said about that. And I did hear some remorse yesterday. I did hear some gratitude and some gratefulness for this yep. opportunity. He teared up a couple of times. And I don't believe those fake tears. Those are real tears. These This yeah. family has been through some hurt. They've oh, gone yeah. through some things. They've gone through counseling to get their family back together. And I don't mm-hmm. think people need to continue to take shots at stuff that someone's done in a rearview mirror because you can't change it. It's a stone, right. but you can learn from it and move forward. Yes. Jay. Golly, so many good points in that. Okay, I'm going to start with the Carnell thing because I couldn't agree more that what that represented, that Hughes' first day around Auburn, the day of his press conference, he shared the spotlight with Cadillac. It showed a level of respect and self-awareness of what he was walking into. But I'll tell you what, and this is on the heels of an Iron Bowl where obviously we lost 49 to 27, but we were in it at the beginning. Those boys played hard. You, we all saw the video of Derek Hall crying at the end of the game, which represents the heart that this team regained thanks to Cadillac Williams. I don't care who our head coach is. There is no one more valuable on that staff than Cadillac. I don't care who we got at the helm. There needed to be a, a stand and a statement of the investment in Cadillac's involvement in this program. And he did it day one. I was very proud of that and happy to see that because it was incredibly well-deserved. 
I also think that I agree with you that I think he wants to be at Auburn. And I think there were concerns with other coaching candidates, be it Lane, I would even say Dion, that you wonder, is this about Auburn or is this about you? And we had that in our last coach and we saw the results of that. We saw how divided things became and how, you know, the program itself and the culture that has been developed for years took a back seat because it was more individualized than Auburn has ever been. This guy gets it. Let's also keep in mind, he is very close friends with Gus Malzahn, not just coaching colleagues. They are close friends. So Hugh has understood Auburn from various vantage points for years. So I don't think that this is his, I mean, there's aspects of redemption. There's aspects of getting back into the highest level of college football, which is the SEC. But I don't think that's what it is. I genuinely think it, there is a value to him in taking Auburn's head coaching role. And I think a clear indicator of that, Jay, is his contract. Right. He is making $6.5 a year. You know who is making $6 million a year in the SEC? Eli Drinkwitz. He hadn't had a winning season in three years at Missouri. Hugh has had winning season after winning season at various levels in the FBS as a coach. And he took a six and a half million option at Auburn with uh, basically an ability that if this thing goes south in two to three years, like Auburn has truthfully gotten kind of gun shy about, the buyout is not going to be what it was for Gus and Brian Harson. And he still wanted to take it. He didn't use it as a gambling tool. He was going to make five at Liberty. And truth be told, coaching at Liberty has got to be way less stressful than oh, coaching yeah. at Auburn, you know? Oh, yeah. And he still was willing to take this because I believe he sees the value in being the head coach at Auburn. And I think that that's what he wants to do. You said it a few weeks ago on our podcast, like, you think that his goal will be to be at Auburn as long as Auburn will keep him. I don't think that this is a stepping stone for him. I don't think that he's going to use it as a jumping board to something else. I really don't. And I think that what he is coming in and doing and showcasing, and yes, there are, there are some skeletons, but I'll talk about that in a minute. I think what he is showing from the jump is an awareness of what it means to be a part of Auburn and the last head coach wanted no part of that, did not care. So from that jump, from the initial first impression of how you view this thing, I think he's handled it well and shown enough wherewithal to the Auburn family that we should feel confident in that aspect. Oh, yeah, no doubt. And when you think about, when you talk about the salary standpoint, I think Kiffin was asking between ten and a half and eleven million dollars a year. Yes. Tell me why we were gonna pay him ten and a half to eleven million dollars a year. Yes. Like, you know, that would have been absolutely just nonsense because agreed. Especially with he hadn't done enough still, for that. Right. And especially the payroll we still have to pay out. And <laughs> so from that standpoint, when you think about, you know, he accepting the six and a half million dollars, like for him, he's trying to tell people like, look. I understand there may be some hesitation amongst some of the fan base and amongst right. some of the people, but I'm willing to take less a little bit. Now six and a half is still a lot of money to Oh, anybody. for sure. <laughs> but for sure. he's saying I'm willing to take less when you look at the whole SEC coaching realm, just to prove to people, I want to earn your trust. Mm -hmm. So if you have questions right now, just give me the opportunity to earn your trust. Don't, don't listen to all the other things. Just give me the opportunity to earn your trust. And that's what yeah. he kept repeating yesterday. And to me, that means like he's saying, look, guys, I'm 100% both feet in all the way in. I'm not one feet in and one foot out. Like this is where I wanted to be. This is always where I dreamed of wanting to come. Mm -hmm. And he's had opportunities to go to other schools and be an offensive coordinator. I'm talking about within the SEC. And I'm talking yeah. about one of the big schools down the street. And mm -hmm. he chose not to and uh, and everything. So it's not like he hadn't had opportunities to get back into the SEC. No, this is just not what he wanted to do. He wanted to remain a head coach. And then when this opportunity presented itself, this is where he wants to be. And mm -hmm. he's going to do everything he can to help turn this thing. And he's willing to work alongside with his coaches and his players yeah. and listen and talk to them. That's what we lack. We haven't had the relationships like Harson struggled with relationship with his players. He struggled yes. with relationships within the people 
of, of Auburn. And it's nothing, you know, maybe that's just how he did when he was in Boise, but it just didn't translate here. You know, it's exactly. just a, it's a different atmosphere of football here. And it's so much competition and competitiveness. You got every school in the SEC competing for the same kid. And you got to go sit down in this room and talk to this kid and his family and try to draw him to your school. What's going to make him want to come to your school? You got to put the effort in. You got to be real with these kids. These kids don't want to just hear things you want to just things they want to hear. They was they respect you more when you're honest and real. And that's why Lat was successful in his in his in his interim tournament because right. he was honest with these kids. He was straightforward with them and he didn't let them slack with stuff that was going on off the field. You heard him talk about it. Kids weren't going to class on time. Kids mm-hmm. weren't coming to meetings on time. So anytime those things are relaxed and they just, it's those little things that people yeah. don't see. And those things just slide. And guess what? They carry over to the football field. So when you're losing games and things are spiraling downhill, all right, let's just look at the whole thing. Like it's not just on the football field. So right. like Lat said, he made kids accountable off the field, accountable being on time for meetings. You weren't on time for meetings. You didn't start. And that mm-hmm. Mississippi State game, we had two of our guys that were starters and they didn't start the whole first quarter and a half because they were late to the meeting the night before the game. So it's all about holding each other accountable. And I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure what Hugh Breeze is looking at is saying, hey, look, guys, I see Carnell as a guy that y'all really, really respect and a guy that this team respects. These players, recruits are going to respect because they've seen and they've seen how he operates. So I'm willing to have him in my corner because I want him holding me accountable because he's not someone that's already worked with me that know me. So he has no indebted to me from that standpoint, but to hold me accountable as a head coach, but also help me understand some things that I may not know about the university because I don't know it all. So Mm -hmm. there's parameters about this and, and I expect him to put together a really, really good staff. He's probably going to retain a few and he's probably going to add some few that always happens. And, um, but I guarantee you he's understanding, like I need to start with what's important to Auburn. Who are my Auburn men that is indebted, love Auburn, and and going to do everything they can to get out here and help us be successful. That's who I want around me. And I think that's the that's the good aspect about it. And like I said, day one with that new facility, NIL, uh, now you put together a coaching staff. We could easily be one of the top five targeted schools within the next year. Um, just because we only have three weeks left in the recruiting, I wouldn't be surprised if we jump up 20 spots. Yeah, you know, just fast. So we'll see what happens. I also think he will dive into the transfer portal heavily. Like, I I don't think that's something that he will shy away from. But uh, yes, I I couldn't agree more. I think that he's doing the right things for the initial step to get this thing rolling quickly and the right way. And it's interesting that, you know, for someone who actually really does have a lot of familiarity and understanding of Auburn, to still be self-aware enough to go, hey, I don't know everything that there is to know. And I believe in having the right people around me to help. I think that is something that Auburn fans should be encouraged and excited about. Because look, the reality of this is it has been very split. You know, there has been a lot of uh, response, both positive and negative to this hire. And I just want to make sure that everyone is is thinking about things, you know, from a, a multi-level aspect of this because there there is plenty to take into consideration when you hire a new head coach but to put the money thing in perspective because I I really just I was surprised by that to be honest but um, Oklahoma last year when they hired Brent Venables from Clemson who had never been a head coach before he got a six-year 43 million dollar deal from Oklahoma Billy Napier was hired by Florida. He had never coached in the Power Five. Obviously, he did great things at Louisiana, and I really liked the hire, but never coached in the Power Five, and Florida gave him a seven-year, $51.8 million deal. So these are people with either no head coach experience, no head coach experience at the level of you know, their respective conferences, and sometimes no proven winning record like what Eli Drinkwitz is doing at Mizzou. And they're getting shelled out this amount of money. So 
Hugh definitely, and his agent, Jimmy Sexton, who is, you know, one that has all the big names, they certainly knew the ability that they had to to try and push for more. But that's not what it was about. And yes, like you said, 6.5 million a year, are you freaking kidding me? We're acting like he got 10 bucks. But it, in the grand scheme of college football right now, and with the record that he comes in with, that certainly was an element that I think you can look at and go, okay, this means something else to him, you know, or sure. he's so confident in his fit here that he believes I'm going to get that bump, you know, like it's, it's going to grow, uh, but this is where we're starting. But look, he has been away from the power five for five years. Obviously he has been um, coaching at Liberty and was at Ole Miss before then. In his four years at Liberty, they went to four bowl games. He had a 34 and 15 record. His 12 year record in coaching is 103 and 47. And then he had a 10 win season in 2015 at Ole Miss, which was their first since 2003. He had a couple top five recruiting classes when he was there at Ole Miss. And yes, we all know that Ole Miss was put on probation under him in 2017. They received a two-year bull ban in process for, quote, fostering an unconstrained culture of booster involvement, a.k.a. NIL. So clearly, he does have a level of experience of managing those things. Unfortunately, they were just doing it before it was legalized. But my point is, you know, that that showcases the change in the culture of college football, and that is very much a part of it now that he will have way more resources than, you know, he's obviously had at Liberty to do just that. But I also think an impressive thing about his tenure at Liberty was that he was there when they transitioned from FCS to FBS. Their inaugural season in the FBS was 2018. And look at what they did. That's not an easy transition, okay? You are bumping up to big boy football and it, along with the the processes and the structure and uh, admin of of transitioning to FBS, there's a lot that goes into that. And so I think that that deserves to be kept in consideration when you look at what he did at Liberty. But, uh, you know, I, I think that where the hesitation lies, some people are going to say it's on the field, but some people are concerned with some of, of the, quote, baggage. And, and that's definitely been a talking point since his announcement of, of being hired. But what you do with opportunities that you're given after mess ups is the actual evaluation, how you respond. And I think that that plays directly into coaching, right? I, I mean, they talk about it's not about the bad game that you had. It's not about the bad play where you threw an interception or you missed a pick or missed a block or whatever. It's about what you do the next time. It's about how you learn from that and apply it moving forward. That is owed to everyone to see, right? That's that's grace. If you want to talk about those things in terms of concern and, you know, are we are we going to make sure that this is not prevalent in our program? That's one thing. For him, I think the best thing for him at Auburn that Auburn's going to get from him is when you got a person that's gone through a very rough brokenness period, mm -hmm. typically those people come back stronger and more committed in what they want to do and accomplish because they have right. a little bit more of a desire to prove. And I think that's what you're getting out of him. And I just think people need to give him a chance. And I understand your concerns, not saying, oh, I understand your concerns and all those different things, but how long are you going to continue to hang on to that? Right. Like, you can't. You know, like you can't. Like give a person a chance. And the other thing you mentioned earlier, when you talked about, you know, as far as like, I want to get back to the recruiting standpoint. Mm -hmm. Do you know how many people we have, how many kids are in the portal? As of 9.25 a.m. this morning, oh, 255 FBS are in the portal, 682 wow. FCS, 829 D2, 316 D3. There's 2,082 total kids in the transfer portal, not even including college, I mean, high school recruits. Wow. Yeah. So you're going to talk about where you can flip things quickly, the transfer portal got a lot of kids in there. And then you Big go time. you go put that on top of multiple kids in high school that you can sign. And mm -hmm. I've, I don't want to quote this wrong, but I think they're going up to now where you can bring in 45 kids now wow. uh, a year. So yeah, things have changed where a coach <laughs> can come, a coach can come in and say, 
I want to, it's almost NFL. I want to mm-hmm. redo this roster. Yeah. And what they can do is just say, that's why I tell these kids, your scholarship is not guaranteed every year. That's why right. every time you have this opportunity, prove it to earn your scholarship for the next year. Because now a coach can come in and say, hey, I don't really see him being on the team. Yeah. And also yeah. that your scholarship gone. So this kid going to have to transfer or, <laughs> or you know, something. So mm-hmm. that's where we're at right now. Those are things you talked about earlier this year that you didn't want it to get like the NFL, but it is slowly yeah. becoming the NFL. Mm-hmm. And these kids want to make NIL money. Well, guess what? You're going to start getting treated like a franchise. Mm-hmm. And this is what comes with it. Yeah. No kidding. Which is why you know, winning seasons don't necessarily translate to success right now because it is such a different world, i.e. Jimbo Fisher. So I think that looking at his pedigree and his resume is one thing, but I am taking more stock in what he does to immerse himself in this program, utilizing a guy like Cadillac Williams, who is the closest to success that we've had around there in a couple years. So um, it'll be an interesting next few months to see how it all shapes. I mean, look, he's he's got some big hires he needs to make. Obviously, defensive coordinator is is the top one that is being discussed right now. And I'm sure it will be no su- surprise to anyone that I would love to see Travis Williams be considered. I would love for the continuation of staying connected to Auburn, staying connected to tradition and history. If that continues, I just think like there are so many people who wanted Cadillac to just be promoted to head coach, right? The next best thing to that is just to have Auburn running through the veins of the staff. And I, I'm encouraged that Hugh wants to do that and will be intentional about keeping it involved. So there's plenty to unpack, plenty to see moving forward. And look, he has every resource at his fingertips to use from here on out. Like we said, a brand new state-of-the-art facility that rivals any in the country and one of the top NIL funds to make use of, up to $13 million and a hefty, hefty transfer portal, like you said, with a guy that, uh, for all intents and purposes, has been a great recruiter. I mean, I, I saw several tweets from former Auburn players actually saying, Hugh Freeze almost had me in Mississippi. Like, he he is an effective recruiter. We have seen his development in the form of Malik Willis and what he has been able to do and how that's translated to the NFL. So there is plenty to be encouraged by and plenty to start looking at and being encouraged by that don't include past discretions, which are absolutely there. And if they resurface, you know, they should be handled accordingly. But another thing that I want to say about this is I understand having opinions. I understand having hesitation, reluctance, frustration, whatever. I understand all of that. And we are all entitled to have them. Some of you be presenting them in a very annoying way, but we are all entitled to have them. However, we're getting to the point of being one of those fan bases that is impossible to please. And it's a little disheartening because that is not going to bode well for anyone. At the end of the day, this administration wasn't going to make everybody happy. There was no way you could. Even everyone in total agreement that we love Cadillac, there's a very real argument that does he have enough experience for that? Same thing with Gus Malzahn, he had eight consecutive winning seasons and we threw him to the curb. And uh, while all of these are are understandable, I think at the end of the day, I had a couple people respond to my stories where I did the poll about Hugh. And I had a couple people respond and say, I'm honestly not sold on it, but I'm going to give the guy the benefit of the doubt. That is the right mentality to have. You know, you can't already shut off to uh, something that truth be told you don't know everything about the proof will show itself next September you know what I mean and they're on after but I, I don't want us to become a fan base that is so entitled 
that it's like we we just are never going to be happy with anything we have. I mean, in the past 12 seasons, Auburn has won a national championship and played for one, and only five other schools can say that, and those schools are Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, LSU, and Ohio State. We are in the top echelon in that stretch of time because of what this program has been built on, what it stands for, and what it is capable of as a result. I don't want us to get so far away from that because we've just gotten to this grumpy aspect. Like, that's not who we are. That's not what this is about. And for all we know, Q is going to bring results. So why are we already taking away the joy of potential? You know, we, we should be a fan base that revels in that. And at the end of the day, People are all pretty much in agreement that moving on from Brian Harson was the right thing. Why are we already griping about the next one? You know, I think at the end of the day, you can have your opinion, but it should be followed with, I'm going to give the guy the support that he needs. I think the hardest thing about it for the fans is we've gone through a rocky patch. And for anytime sure. you go through a rocky patch, the next thing they look for is what? Perfection. Yeah. And perfection is nowhere to be found. Like Correct. you can't find perfection. Like even in teams that have winning years, they go win a championship. Something has to bounce and go their way. They're either mm-hmm. one second away from losing a game and changing the whole parameter of the season, or they're one second away from winning a game and changing the whole dynamic of the year. So mm-hmm. you have to also look at all of those type of things. And I think the fans, I, I think the thing about Auburn is we got to stop being so public. Um, and the other thing I say is when we're public, let's be more positive than negative. Yeah. Um, you know, we've used to be a a, a positive like vibe and that's why people adapted to Cardinal so well, because it was so much positivity that was happening and why a lot of reason, because he's one of us and, mm-hmm. you know, he, he played on a, 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 one of the best teams to ever come through Auburn mm-hmm. and, it took people back to some of those glory days and some of those glory times where it was happy times and, and everything. And, and kind of reminded people of what it's like when we're successful and right. and it gave people hope again and, and everything. And like I said, Carnell, Carnell is a excellent coach in person and because he's so real and, yeah. And I know a lot of people wanted him promoted and everything. And me being a friend, I would have, you know, liked it as well. But I'm also yeah. not a, you know, what I'm saying. But I also understand that probably that decision was probably made before he even got the interim job. Mm-hmm. Like, let's just be honest. Like, this is not some spur of the moment where all of a sudden they dated a coach for a week and say, "Oh, this is our guy." Right. No, this has kind of been going on for a while. And when they made the decision to let Harson go, they already pretty much had in the in the ropes of who they wanted i always thought kiffin was a smoke screen because i just didn't ever see him as an auburn guy i didn't see him fitting in with the auburn people i just didn't trust the aspect that he would stay like i always felt like if something bigger or something he felt more that he would maybe entitled to just up and leave why because he's more concerned about kiffin Mm -hmm. and i just feel like you know lat was more concerned with auburn and i think they bring in hugh freeze who they have probably been talking to for a while and i think he's more connected to auburn like i want to do what's best for auburn and that's the type of people that you need right now it's kind of coaches that you need right now and i think having those two guys together at the helm is going to make it better for these players and make it better for the for the for our program and i just feel like we get in the with names sometimes um, you know, and, and everything. Let's just, you know, there's guys that that the Oregon coach that we tried to get with Harson. I was like, he's at mm-hmm. Miami. Uh, they were five and seven. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, so you can't get enamored with names. You gotta get people that fit your program. And Agreed. And, and that's the main aspect of it because that's the only way it's gonna grow. You, you gotta be indebted into this thing. Like this is a tough, tough business. And yeah. And, and everything and 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 I respect Carnell, I know for standing up and and being an interim, and then at the same time, to to not gripe about because he didn't get promoted, but understand like, hey man, I appreciate the opportunity, but it's now giving me a new phantom on coaching because now mm-hmm. I can one day see myself 
being a head coach Doing where before yeah. I got the interim job, I didn't think about it. I didn't think it was possible. You know what I'm saying? But now I know it's possible. So there's been some positive that's come out of this that's going to help propel his career in coaching. That did a lot. I know a lot of people say, oh, man, that was just uh, I'm just throwing this out here because this is stuff that you hear and I want to cover it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, that's just uh, get the fan base to quiet down, uh, get things to cover up. I don't think so because, like I no. said, when I, when I talked to Lat, you want to be where someone wants you, not where you're forced to be in a position. He didn't want this job if it was forced on by the fan base, by friends, by former teammates, by, you know, whatever. He didn't want the job by someone forcing him to have to be the forcing the coach to put him in that position. Like he didn't right. want Coach Freeze to put him in that position because the fan base forced him to do that to please the fan base. Mm-hmm. No, he wanted to make sure he was wanted for that position and that this guy wanted him. And he said Freeze reached out to him and he wanted him in that position. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing he wanted was for Cadillac Williams to be his associate head coach. And that didn't come from the ADs and everybody else. For He wanted that first. Yeah, because he said I watched from afar, and he said, and plus he's friends with Gus. Gus has high level respect for that, mm-hmm. so you know it's all about relationships. So that showed him that he's wanted. So yes, he wanted to be at Auburn and everything. Why? Because he's wanted, not because we forced it to happen. The guy wanted him there. Yeah, as he should. Uh, I mean, I don't know what in the world anyone would consider not having him for right. but exactly. yes it it was definitely a priority of his um the kiffin thing do we <laughs> think it really was even a i don't know if i believe that he really was thinking about coming here because now you can use that as a bargaining it's also interesting that lane kiffin oh, yeah, and hugh freeze have well it's interesting that they have the same agent jimmy sexton so like mm-hmm. he was probably knowing a lot because both of his clients were supposedly talking to Auburn. And if Lane was like, I don't really, I'm good to stay here. They can play that up, obviously knowing that the job is actually going to Hugh, but then Ole Miss has to pay up. And so he obviously signed a new deal around nine mil a year to stay (laughs) in Oxford. So I just, I started wondering how much that really was, happening and if lane really Mm -hmm. was considering going or if it was a bargaining tool for him which is interesting and i mean john cohen the ad said in the announcement we ended back where we started with hugh freeze like he was Mm -hmm. kind of the initial expectation i think he's been on the radar for a long time i think he seemed like a logical next fit he was being talked about during the brian harson hiring time so uh, for all i know that was the the plan from the jump and the Lane Kiffin thing was actually more of a bargaining tool for him at Ole Miss. I don't know. But um, what do you think is kind of first task? Obviously recruiting because early signing period starts and there is plenty to do there. Um, but but what else does he really need to hit the ground running on? Do you get coordinators quickly to utilize them in recruiting? Like what what's next for him? Well, first of all, let me go back to your your statement because this is why you're one of the bright up and coming young minds <laughs> in sport and sports because <laughs> as as an analyst, because what you're saying is so correct. He yeah. has the same agent, mm-hmm. Jimbo Fisher, Saban, all of them have the same agent. Mm-hmm. So, Lane Kiffin, if you're an agent, you know Lane Kiffin don't fit Auburn. Yeah. So, what's the best thing for you to do? Put the noise out there while you get time to work on your other client, which is Hugh Freeze, work on him with Auburn without all the noise surrounding him. Let all the noise be around Kiffin, maybe leaving Ole Miss to come to Auburn. So people focus his own net to get what? Ole Miss to start fighting back and say, hey, what we got to do to keep him? So what you do? You're an awesome agent. You get your client a $2 million raise after you lost the last two games of the season and your arch rival game, and he still gets a $2 million raise, while on the other side, the guy that you've been trying to get here in the first place is already working out. And now you got both of your clients. You got Hugh Freeze back in the SEC. You got Lane Kiffin a raise. Guess what? He won on both. So Mm -hmm. as an agent, that's considered a good agent. 
because he did the same thing with Gus years ago. Made Gus seem like Arkansas was trying to come snatch up Gus. So what would Auburn do? Went and gave Gus a seven-year, 50-some million dollar extension because yeah. Arkansas, he made Arkansas feel like they was trying to come snatch him. So that's what good agents do. And yeah. that's what they and that's how they make their clients money. Now, back to what you were saying. That's what makes you a good analyst because you give people Thanks, intel and insight that a lot of people don't think about. <laughs> um, when it comes to coordinators, mm-hmm. this is big because I listened to the press conference yesterday. I like to break things down. Yeah. When he said he may consider taking, he's always been the play caller, but he may mm-hmm. consider taking a step back just so he can have more hands on with all his players on the team and allow that coach to do his job, but still have some involvement but he want to make sure he's there for the players. So that's what that's telling me. He's kind of getting into the form of, I want to be the CEO yeah. and everything and understanding, like, I understand how hard it is to be an offensive coordinator and a head coach. That's hard. Most head coaches are, are CEOs and that are really like, look at Saban, look at Dabo. Those guys don't call plays. They're basically mm-hmm. CEOs. And I think he's looking at it like, okay, only guy I know that can really do that type of stuff really, really well is Andy Reid, you know, where, you know, he's kind of like the clay caller, but he's also the head coach. But a lot of guys don't really have success doing that. If you look at Josh McDaniels from Oakland, when he was at Denver, he struggled as a head coach slash coordinator. He goes to Oakland, same thing, struggles, head coach, coordinator. But he was in New England, coordinator only. Awesome. Even yeah. after Brady left, still was awesome with Matt Jones and what they was doing. True. But it's hard because it takes up so much of your time. You're pulled in every different direction that you can't be in this room and over here speaking at some QB club at the same time. Yeah. So he got to go get someone that he really, really trusts, which he said there's some power guys that's wanting a job. And he's looking mm-hmm. at like, oh, this guy does it better than me. Which I believe so, that. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, they, they study each other plays and different mm-hmm. things. So if he brings in that guy that he feels like knows it better, do it better than him, he's going to get that guy full reign. Now, Freeze does a really good job with quarterbacks. He's going to have his hands on developing the quarterbacks. But right. at the same time, that guy's going to have a choice. Defensive coordinator is my thing because that's where championships are won. Well, you absolutely. Light up points on the scoreboard, everything. You can't stop nobody. Just go look at the school down the street. They could score with the best of them, but they couldn't <laughs> sure. stop nobody. You right. know, we could have right. won that game if not for the turnovers and, you know, the missed yeah. call on the on the punt. They somebody's touched, but you see the other video and it wasn't. If that game's close, oh, we could win awful. it because they really couldn't stop us and we were just running the ball. So mm-hmm. defensively is where we really got to hit it at. Because offensively, he's done it before. If things fail, the coordinator, he can take over. We're fine. Right. Defensively, can we get to the point where we become an elite defense? You know, one of those mm-hmm. style defenses that can hold these games when need be, because that's what it's going to take. And, you know, I understand there's going to be a list of guys and we just have to be patient and see what happens. But that's where he really got to get it honed in at because most defensive coordinators bring in their staff. Mm, true. You know, head coach has a say so, but they really bring in their staff. Right. Well, and I think you even saw that toward the end of this season, you know, the the pieces are there and the talent is there. And I, I don't really suspect that that's going to stop. And when you saw the difference in how Jeff Schmetting was calling the games from the beginning of the season to the end, you saw improvement defensively. So I think the philosophy and the scheme and the really background and understanding of what the whatever coordinator it is wants to do with the talent that Auburn already has in place is going to play a key role in that. And you're right. I mean, Hugh is definitely an offensive guy. And I think that honestly, that didn't surprise me at all. I felt like we were going to get an offensive guy. And I see a lot of similarities between Robbie and Malik Willis. I, I don't think that that was lost on anybody that what he was able to do with Malik at Liberty. And obviously you see what he's doing for the Titans right now. Robbie needs that desperately and you need someone who knows what to do with that specific skill set that Robbie has shown he has. So that didn't surprise me in the slightest. And I think on the offensive side, Hugh actually makes a lot of sense, but the defensive side, you're right. I kind of suspect he's going to be a bit hands off defensively. 
And so you want to make sure that you get that right hire that has the right philosophy to call games and implement scheme based on what you kind of saw down the stretch for Auburn and, and what mm-hmm. the pieces are capable of. Um, and yes, do I like to live with my head in the clouds at times, but <laughs> do you think that, that T will is, is a possibility? Yes. I think T will is a guy that's going to get an interview. Like how can okay. you not, you know, right. like he's a guy that's uh, been here. Uh, he understands his program inside and out. So he'll definitely get an interview. And okay. like I said, yeah, so I definitely think he'll get an interview. Javaris Robinson will probably get an interview. Another Auburn oh, yeah. guy that, uh, you know, is coaching the secondary at Bama right now. But a guy that's, that's been at Auburn, played at Auburn as well. So he's a guy that will get an interview as well. So there's guys that has some ties to Auburn that's definitely going to get interviews. And, uh, mm. you know, you just have to see where it goes. Okay. Well, yeah, I think that that's obviously going to be an important thing for him because I'm sure without it, recruiting defensively will have, you know, some questions that they're unable to answer at this point. Beyond Auburn, though, let me ask you, because obviously, like we said on last week's episode, this is the the week that a lot of head coaching changes and, and there will be more as a ripple effect of, of ones that were announced. I'll go ahead and take Auburn off the table for you because you'll feel like you have to say it. So other than Auburn, what <laughs> what coach hire have you felt was was the best one so far? Man, I really think Luke Fickle to Wisconsin. Same, same, um, without question. You know, like that thing was so hit and, and and everything and what he did with Cincinnati. Could you imagine what he's going to do with Wisconsin? Like in totally the Big agree. Ten and Wisconsin always known for linemen. So I, I would say Luke Fickle. Yep. Agreed. I, I mean, he was my guy. I, I said on this podcast that he was kind of the one that I would have loved. I didn't know if Auburn was really even a, a consideration for him. I, I know that he loved living in Cincinnati and, and prioritizing location was big for him and his family. So I don't know if he would have even come to Auburn, but um, I think that that is a fantastic fit, and I think he is going to do a really, really good job there. Obviously, Matt Rule ended up at Nebraska, which has the potential to be big for them. Nebraska is a tough freaking job, though, so Godspeed, man. Brent Key at Georgia Tech, he was promoted from interim to head coach there at his alma mater. And look, now Cincinnati needs a coach. Like More happens. Kenny Dillingham to oh, yeah. Arizona State, that one was interesting, too. He's very young. But it's his alma mater, so again, kind of makes sense. But now they need a coordinator. Like, the shuffle continues, but I totally agree mm-hmm. with you. I feel like Luke Fickle is is the best hire so far. I think Wisconsin will do well with him. But with the end of the regular season, obviously sends us into conference championship week. And so let's go ahead and talk about a few of them. Honestly, It's weird to me that the ones I'm intrigued by this year aren't the ones I'm typically intrigued by, but I guess that's just the nature of this season so far. Let's start with the SEC, as we do. Georgia LSU, and this one, unfortunately, is just not as compelling anymore because LSU just lost to freaking Texas A&M. What in the world? This is the SEC for you, you know what I mean? And along with that, I just have no reason to believe that anyone is on the level of Georgia right now, which sucks because that is one of our rivals. But I think thus far, they are just playing light years ahead of everyone else. And I think while that loss to Texas A&M could motivate LSU into this week, it certainly doesn't hold the same – like they – they lost themselves out of the playoff conversation. So does this, you know, have the same spark for them that it would have? So without hesitation, I have to pick the dogs in this one. Wow. SEC championship game, I think Georgia by 14. Um, I think LSU, how do you lose the Texas A&M when mm-hmm. you're on rank five, in the playoff hunt, and you got the SEC championship, it's almost like they got caught looking ahead. 100%. And they went in there thinking they was going to win that game and just float right into the SEC championship. And Tessie and them came out there, and they played their butts mm-hmm. off, and they got their best their best player back, the running back. Um, mm-hmm. He ended up coming out there and, and, and having a great game. Had 200 yards rushing or more. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this is a um, 
a game I was hoping the build up would be more, which it yeah. would have been had LSU won last week, but it's yeah. lost some luster. So I got Georgia by 14. I really think it's going to be a Georgia Michigan national championship. Both of them are similar how they play offense. Uh huh. Uh huh. Okay. And man, was that interesting. Ohio State, Michigan going the way it did and Ohio State losing in such convincing fashion. I obviously think that the implications of that are heavy for Ohio State, given where they were at the time. Let's talk Pac-12 championship. We've got 9-3 and three Utah versus 11-1 and one USC. Utah has had a couple big wins this season, and I think they certainly are able to surprise you at times. But I think that USC's offense is too potent, and they feel like they're in the conversation now, too, especially with LSU doing what they did. So I'm going to go USC in that one as well. Utah played them, beat them earlier this year. High score ball game. High score yeah. ball game. I think Utah is going to come in this one with a little bit of a chip on their shoulders just because they know they weren't supposed to be there. Like right. really, let's just say if Oregon handles business and don't give oh, up a, a huge, a huge lead. Yeah. Uh, and then Washington goes and beat Washington state that night and which puts Utah in there. I think it's going to be a closer game than people think. I do okay. think Kayla Williams is a really good player. Like he's a lot air. He's he arrogant in a lot of ways, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, do, I do think USC win this game. Close one though. Agreed. Okay. I like that. I definitely think it'll be a, a high offensive game. Uh, Big 12 championship. I am actually more intrigued in this one than probably any of them. I would say, I, I think that this matchup is actually the most compelling. You've got nine and three Kansas state against undefeated TCU, but I mean, Lee Corso actually said last week on game day when they were picking the rivalry games, obviously K-State played Kansas. He said, I pick K-State today, and I also pick them in the championship next week. Um, so he thinks TCU will get caught slipping. And I think if you look at what TCU has done this season and some of their games, you see that they're beatable. They have slipped out of some close ones. They have gotten away with some that were on the cusp. And look, that is also telling of a good team. Good teams find a way to win, and it's not always pretty. But I I feel like there is chaos ability in this one. I, I think I'm still going to stick with TCU, even though my gut's telling me not to. But I think this <laughs> one is going to be one of the more compelling matchups this weekend. Oh, I am going with K-State. Wow. Now, my reason why, the okay. running back that they have, he is Too so solid. tough. And, yes, by time a, around the time a linebacker can actually see him, he's through the line of scrimmage because wow. you can't catch him. And they can run the game. And their quarterback is pretty – he's effective. He's an athlete. Yeah. Like, I saw yeah. him beat Oklahoma earlier this year, and yeah. I was like, okay, this kid can play. So yeah. they have ways that they can beat uh, Kansas State, and they don't have nothing to lose. That's the scary True. thing. That's why True. I said all the pressure is on TCU. Yes, mm -hmm. they went and beat Texas. Yes, they got away with the Baylor game. Where they was able to get the field goal off in time. But how many times you get away with those things will it actually catch you? Right. You know, so I think this is the game. It actually catches up to them. And – I know Andy Dalton, he's probably like, J. Cam, I can't believe it, bro. We was teammates and said, man, how you going to go? I'm like, look, bro, nothing gets the horn frogs. I'm just saying right now, <laughs> I just think K-State has the opportunity because they're going to go in there a little bit more loose than TCU, mm -hmm. yeah. and they don't have the same type of pressure. But they yeah. are very, they're very close football-wise in what they do. And I just think the polls will want nothing better because this thing is all about money at the end of the day. Nothing better to find a way to get Ohio State and Alabama in that Final Four. Oh, and get out of here. That's why they're probably pushing for Utah to get USC. Even though USC fan base is big, it's, they're, they're trying to come back because they mm -hmm. had a lot of down years between their great years. So, right. But if USC drops and TCU drops, Woo! Here it, it comes. Here it comes. Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, and that darn elephant down the road, Bama. And yep. money would be all over the place because now people be like, I don't know who to pick. I don't know who's going to win it. Man, I know. I mean, there is potential for chaos. 
Clemson lost themselves out of the potential after losing to South Carolina. Man, what an end to a season for South Carolina, defeating Tennessee and Clemson in back-to-back weeks, which then makes the ACC championship pretty null and void. I mean, this one doesn't compel me at all. Both Clemson and UNC have ended up really having some blah losses down the stretch to make this one just not relevant in the grand scheme of of postseason, you know, but Clemson, USC, UNC, excuse me, I have loved watching Drake May this year. I think he deserves to be in New York for the Heisman conversation. I don't think he's winning it, but I think he deserves to be a finalist, and I think he is going to do great things. Conversely, Clemson does not have a flipping quarterback. DJ Uyunglele was 8 for 29 against South Carolina. They don't have a quarterback. Without Will Shipley, their running back, they had no offense in that game. Are they going to play better in the ACC championship? Probably. They usually do. And UNC, has lost. they lost to Georgia Tech, which, what in the world? So this one is, I'm least in, interested in this one, but uh, I guess I'll give it to Clemson because UNC's defense is really struggling, and I I think Will Shipley could have another big day on the ground. So I'll, I'll pick Clemson. What happened to the other quarterback Clemson had? I think that was being loyal here. He is. Yeah, he does not want to pull DJ. Yeah, I think he's just being loyal here because the other kid, I think he can play. And he, uh, yeah, he and a, at this point, a what very you, bright future? Yeah, he's a true freshman. And at this point, you have given yeah. every opportunity to DJ, and he is continuing to show you he doesn't have it. So, like, you do something. I don't know. Well, it goes back to recruiting when these mm-hmm. coaches do not need to promise kids anything. The only thing I'm gonna promise you is an opportunity to compete to be the starter. Like, I'm not guaranteeing you any job. And it may be one of those cases where he guaranteed him something and he's just trying to stick by his word. And mm. sometimes you punish the team by doing that. Um, mm-hmm. I say this, though. This game had a chance to be a really, really good championship it game did. three weeks ago. Um, looking at it, you know, if North Carolina could have beat Georgia Tech, if they could have closed out the North Carolina State game, uh, Clemson losing to South Carolina, but also they lost to Notre Dame a few weeks before. And it kind of knocked off the luster because this would have been a top seven matchup. And mm-hmm. this would have been in the ACC championship game. And it would have really made it out. It's still going to be a great game to watch, but it takes the luster off of it because neither one is playing for anything beyond winning the ACC championship. Right. Um, yep. But it's just uh, it's just unfortunate because I, I think North Carolina was rolling having a really good year. And all of a sudden, things just unraveled at the end of the mm-hmm. season. They lost some tough, close games just by just, just right there, you know, for the mm-hmm. taking. And then Clemson, uh, like you say, everything starts, you know, with the quarterback in, in these situations. Like, uh, you know, South Carolina, kudos to them going into a hostile environment and winning a game there. Um, right. They smoked cigars after the game. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, they think they're so, LSU. They're not. Yeah, I smoked cigars out of the game. So I'm like, well, well I guess okay. you're not Joe Burrow. <laughs> Calm down. But yes. Okay. So who'd you, who are you picking? Clemson? Oh, my bad. I didn't get a pick. Um, Clemson because of their defense. Yeah, agreed. Okay. Big 10 championship, eight and four Purdue against undefeated Michigan, coming off a big win over their most hated rival, Ohio State. I think Michigan wins this one pretty handily. Yeah, is this going to really be a game? Um, I don't think so. Like, the way Michigan played last week, unless some teams where you get on such a high that you got that one that you really, really wanted, mm-hmm. and can you get yourself back up again the next week to go play a championship game? Right. You know, these still are 18 and 22-year-old kids, and Purdue is chomping at the bit. Like, again, they have nothing to lose. I expect it to be a close game until you get late third quarters. And at that point, I think with Michigan's run game and their defense, I think they pull away and, and win it double digits. Okay, good, good stuff. I'll give one more just because of the obvious connection. Nine and three UCF against 10 and two Tulane. And Tulane has had a, a pretty fun season. They've taken down uh, a couple big ones. So in the AAC championship, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go UCF. I'm gonna pull for it. I think Gus gets himself a, a conference title this weekend. I hear you on a Gus train. Hey, um, 
<laughs> I have some personal ties to this one, uh, of course. Yeah, Travis of course. Williams, one of our close friends and mm-hmm. former teammate, and you know his wife and my wife are best friends. Aww. So I'm going UCF, but but UCF <laughs> beat them earlier this year in Tulane, mm. and it's hard to beat a team twice. True. And I think UCF almost got caught slipping last week because I think they were looking ahead to the championship game and thought they were just going to blow a 1-10 South Florida team out the door, and they had to hang on for dear life at the end. So they had to fight a little bit harder last week than they anticipated, and Tulane went to Cincinnati and beat a really good Cincinnati team to win their side of the conference. I expect right. this game to be a juggernaut. Whoever quarterbacks plays the best is going to pull this thing out, but I'm pulling mm. for UCF. I like it. Yeah, I think that one's going to be compelling too. That's the thing. Like, I am interested in different ones this year, but I guess that's just an ode to what this college football season has been. Definitely chaotic. That is the case for the Tigers that now conclude their season. And a new era begins with Hugh Freeze at the helm. So we will see how all of this transpires. I'm sure there is to be a lot of news and change and moves made moving forward as he assembles his staff, as he hits the recruiting trail and the transfer portal, I would assume. Uh, and, And we'll look forward to the future with excitement for potential of success because ultimately... That's what we all want. So uh, thank you so much for listening. I think that's going to do it for us this week on Believe in Everything Auburn. Enjoy championship weekend. And then obviously selection Sunday will happen and we will know where everyone is headed for bowl matchups. And of course that top four and who heads to the playoffs. So plenty to talk about. And it is also basketball season, peeps. So we are going to get more heavily involved on the court, talk about what's been going on around other sports as well. So make sure you hang with us. As always, Believe in Everything Auburn is a year-round podcast. Make sure you don't go anywhere and you subscribe if you haven't already so you get a notification every time we release an episode. Jay and I greatly appreciate you guys listening and following along. So everyone have a fantastic week until we speak again. War Eagle. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.